All right, let's, let's get going today. And uh, I want to have a word of prayer as we, as we go forward. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you are doing in our country. And thank you for what you're doing in the church. You are stirring us. You are agitating us so that we will seek you. Things are uncomfortable. They're weird. They're different. But you allow us to go through this so that we will seek you. And in seeking you, we will find you. And so today, Father, we recognize that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And then, Father, things become more clear. The way is revealed. The process and the reward. And so, Father, today we set our course this week to seek you. To seek you with all of our heart mind, soul, and strength. And in that, we find you. And in that, we are blessed. In that, we are humbled. And in that, Father, we become those who bear fruit to eternal life. So, Lord, take us through your word today. Speak to us by your spirit so that we would become more like Jesus. Amen. The year 2020 will go down in history as a very unusual year. I believe that our grandchildren will learn about 2020. I believe they will come to us and say, hey, granddad, what was that year like? What was it like? What was happening? Because it's an unusual year. It is not, I'm not saying it's the most unusual year. It's just an unusual year. And it is one for, I believe, the record books. As you may or may not have noticed in these past several weeks, I have not specifically mentioned uh, COVID-19 or racial tensions. Not because those weren't important topics. If, if you were paying attention, and I know that you were, you heard me teach about these issues and talk about how to deal with them. But I didn't mention them specifically. And trust me, we're not going to talk about them today. These are real issues, a virus that is sweeping the world and causing uh, the people who get it to be sick to varying degrees. Uh, I would mention to you even now in, in a form of prayer of, of members of our own church that have had and have had and have this virus now. These things are real issues, the racial tension, the rioting, the protesting, the walking, the demonstrating. These are real issues. And I don't want to make too much of them or too little of them. But I would say this. The good news is there is an answer. If there were no answer, then it would be tragic. If there was no path, if there was no way, if there was no direction, then that would be horrible. But there is an answer. There is a path. There is correction. And so that's what we want to pursue, not the problem. If we focus on the problem, we miss the problem solver. If we focus on the issue, we miss the one who gives us help in the issue and can actually solve the issue. There have always been events in history that have caused the church to become either weaker or stronger. 
depending on how she responded to them. And we are in one of those seasons where the church as a community of believers will either become weaker or stronger depending on how we deal with these issues. We must move forward with a gentle confidence, a soft, gentle, easy, bold-faced confidence that is not in your face, it's gentle, but it is no less powerful. How we navigate during these times of difficulty when the experts are leading us in various directions. If you believe something about anything going on today, you can find an expert to support what you believe. Just keep looking, just keep searching. You'll find someone who believes what you believe and then you go, see, I told you. But everybody else has that same privilege too. <laughs> I want you to turn your Bibles, please, to Hebrews uh, chapter number one. I think we have this verse on the screen behind me. Hebrews chapter one, we're just gonna read it's the first uh, three uh, verses. And then we're gonna turn it over to James and we're gonna continue and we're gonna have a time of prayer at the end. Today's emphasis is come near to God. We're talking about drawing near to God, drawing near to God in prayer, submitting our heart before him. Hebrews chapter one, starting at verse number one. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. There is an expert that will speak to you what you want to hear. You just have to find them. But the Bible here tells us the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. There is a word that is always perfect, and that is the word of God. The Word of God tells us what to major on and what to minor on, what to, what to consider a mountain and what to consider just a little molehill. The Word of God tells us how we are to walk daily, how we are to walk throughout our lives. So the Word of God is what we must focus on and not be distracted with other things. The answer to viruses and divisions is not new regulations, it is Jesus Christ. The answer is not new regulations, it's Jesus. Racism is not a regulatory problem, it is a heart issue. A virus is not, you don't get a virus because you're sinful or because you're righteous. It, you get a virus because you get a virus. I think we can be smart, we can, we can be intelligent, but viruses are viruses. And then we've gotta say, okay, how do I navigate through this? How do I proceed forward? And that is through Jesus Christ. When you have the assurance of eternal life, it gives you the assurance to live. When you're not ready to die, you're not ready to live. When you're ready to die, you're ready to live. And so we navigate this through Jesus Christ. But what we do is predicated on who we serve. Are we serving ourselves or are we serving Christ? Are we in it for us 
Are we in it to, to do our thing, our way, and our timing, or are we serving Christ? If we're serving Christ, then we're there to encourage other people to do the same. God's given us clear direction on what we should do. I um, was uh, reading something recently, and, and the reference was made to uh, Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus came to the disciples walking on water, uh, and they were in the middle of a storm. And if you remember what happened, one of the apostles had a brilliant decision. He said, Jesus, if that's really you, I mean, it's kind of hazy out here. There's, there's wind and there's rain and there's all this stuff going on, but that's really you. Tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said one word, come. And so the apostle Peter, man, just impetuous. He was like, man, boom. He gets out of the boat. I don't know how long it took him to get out of the boat, but it took some time. And he steps out on that water and he begins to walk on the water. But then the Bible says, and uh, I think it's verse number 10, it says, but when he saw the wind, when, when he looked around, instead of looking at Jesus, he's looking around, beginning to sink, he cried out. I think the most important word in that verse might be beginning. Beginning to sink, he cried out. In other words, Peter didn't wait until he was under the water and then go, hey, I need some help. He didn't wait until the water's like, you know, right here. It says beginning to sink. At the very beginning of the problem, he cried out for help. How many of our problems, let's make this real, let's make this personal, how many of our problems could have been solved more easily at the beginning than when we sought help? Many times people um, come to a counselor could be a pastor, it could be a psychologist, or whoever, and they, they want help with a marriage or with a relationship or whatever, and, and, you, and you go like, and you listen and you hear, hear all these problems, and you go, how long has this been going on? Oh, like 12 years? Like, well, <laughs> we got some work to do now. If we'd have tried to fix this in 12 years ago, it would have been a lot easier. And so Peter, just when he began to sink, he cried out, and Christ was right there and rescued him. I'm, I'm saying to us today, as we draw near to God, this is the time to draw near. You might say, hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. I may have a few problems in my life, but I'm doing pretty good. This is the time to draw near to God. If the water's up to your waist and you're in the process of sinking, this is the time to call out to God. If the water's up to here, this is time to call out to God. Maybe it is your marriage. Maybe it is your children. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your business. Call out to God. Now, this is where we're really going to emphasize and we're really going to talk for the next few minutes and then we're going to have a time of prayer. If you'll turn your Bibles, please, to the book of James. We do not have this verse on the screen, so you're going to have to, to turn the old-fashioned way or the new way on your phone or tablet or whatever you have. James chapter 1 and verse number 1, and then we're going to slip over to James chapter 4, and we're going to read a little bit of a lengthy section in that, and then we're going to have a time of prayer. You ready for that? James chapter 1, as we know, the, the New Testament is kind of divided up into to three or four different categories. The first four are the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus' life, ministry, death, burial, resurrection. And then the book of Acts is a testimony of the events that transpired just after um, uh, Jesus' resurrection. Then the, the epistles or the letters to specific people or churches or regions uh, follows that. And then, of course, it ends with the book of Revelation. 
So now we're going to look at the book of James. James was written by the half-brother of Jesus. And James did not believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, until after the resurrection. And so here's a guy who doubted for many years, wasn't hooked in at the very beginning, but then was like, at the end, was like, yeah, there's, there's enough evidence here for me to believe. And he became a staunch follower of Christ. And he wrote the book of James. But I wanted you to see, I wanted you to see who it's written to. James chapter 1, verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So in other words, if, if we read the book of Galatians, we can see that Paul, the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is dealing with specific things that were happening in the church at Galatia. 1 Corinthians, same thing, on and on and on. But here we find an easy transition. We don't, we don't have to say, well, that's what the Holy Spirit was saying to the Galatian church. It really doesn't affect me. But here, James makes it clear, this is to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. He's saying, this is, this is for everybody. This is, a, this is a word that is specific to everyone, not just to a particular region, church, or person. Okay? Now turn to James chapter 4, please. We're going to read verses 1 through 10, make a few comments about this, and then we're going to pray. Man, I'm excited about this week. I'm excited about what God's doing in our church. I'm excited about the rest of 2020. Wouldn't it be great if our grandchildren come to us 25 years from now and they say, what was 2020 like? You say, well, the first half was not good, but God did something great in the second half. Wouldn't that be great? Be like, be like a football comeback, right? James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? What did the Holy Spirit write through the Apostle Paul to Galatia? He said, there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. They war with one another. Who's going to win? Who's, it, there's a battle going on. When we focus on the flesh and we feed the flesh, the flesh is going to win, but we focus on the Holy Spirit, allow God to, to minister to our spirit, that, that new nature within us, then suddenly things change and the spirit wins. He said, but these quarrels come because of what's happening inside of you, the battle that is within you. A virus has given us the temptation to have a reason to have a battle. This virus has given us the temptation to have a reason to have a battle. This virus has given us the temptation to have a reason to judge. And it's distracting us from Christ. You desire, but you do not have. And so you kill. You kill reputations. You kill character. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. What is he saying? You're, you're coveting, you're wanting something that, you're looking at something, you're desiring something. It isn't yours. You're, it's not either supposed to be yours or it's not the right timing or whatever. He says you're, you're distracted with coveting and wanting something that God hasn't provided for you and you're looking all over the place. He said, and what, what is the result? You quarrel and fight. 
There's tension, there's stress. There's, I've, I've, got to, I've got to prove that I'm right. I've got to show that I'm right. You do not have because you do not ask God. We're trying to get it from other sources instead of from God. Then he, verse 3 is interesting. He says, um, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Boy, um, do we not live in a society of pleasure? You know? And for us as Christians, the thing that this, hey, hey we're above all that. We, we don't, we, we're, not, we're not like the world. We're not like the non-Christians. Well, you're right. We're not. You're right. But at the same time, we're in this world. We're not of it, but we're in it. And the temptation to, do you realize James did not write this to heathens? He wrote it to me and to you. So we've got to be aware that even though we're Christians, we have these same temptations and we can fall prey to them one inch at a time. One inch at a time. He says, you, you ask, but you don't receive because you ask amiss with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Verse four, he, he calls them an adulterous people. Adultery, uh, God used the term adultery so many times in the Old Testament. It wasn't of, of, a, of a sexual nature. He was saying, when you serve other gods, you're committing adultery against me. He said, I, 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 am, I am your source. We have a connection here. It, the illustration is husband and wife. He said, so then when you, when you turn away to serve other things and other gods, it's the same as adultery. So he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God or hostility against God? Now, Again, friends with the world, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to huddle with just us Christians and we can't have friends that aren't Christians. That would be bad. He's not talking about not having friends that aren't Christians. He's saying don't be friends with the world. Don't do things that the world is doing which are contrary to God's word. So he says when, 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 you, when you are friendly with the world, the ways of the world, and you... you, you receive what they're doing as what you do, then you're showing hostility toward God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? And boy, this is the turning point in what we're saying and what we're reading. He says, don't you think, don't, do, do you think the scripture says in vain that God jealously longs for the spirit that he has caused to dwell within us. There is, there is a jealousy with God. God is a jealous God. And on the one hand, we can look at that as, as a form of weakness, like, oh, jealous people, man, they're really weak. That's not, that's not it at all. Obviously, we're talking about God. A jealousy is to, is to look at one of, one of your children and to realize the potential that they have and yet they're living so far below it and you're jealous for them so that they can live the best life. You're jealous for them. You're like, oh man, this thing that you're doing, this thing that you've got, that's not serving you well. It's not taking you in the right direction and you are so jealous for them that you want them to excel and be their best and they're not. 
And that's the way God looks at us. He's saying this thing that you're, that you're distracted with, it's not serving you well. It's not going to take you where I want you to go. And so God is jealous for us. And he's jealous for the spirit that's dwelling within us. He said, I want, I want the Holy Spirit to be so powerful in your life. And you can't have that when you're seeking other things and you're quarreling and you're making little things into big things and you're taking big things and you're pushing them down into little things. He said, this, it's not working. And so he becomes very, very jealous for us. So he says that, that, the, that, that God is jealously longing for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us. And look at verse number six. This is so good. But he gives us more grace. Aren't you glad? If God gives us grace, this is, it. again, this is written to Christians. This, this is written to the church. And he's saying, I get it, guys. God is saying, I get it. You live in a world and you're tempted. You still have uh, the ability to sin. And you're tempted to do that. You're tempted to be distracted because life is life and life happens. He's saying, but I'm jealous for you. I love you and I want you to become the best that you can do. So I'm giving you even more grace. I'm giving you grace. And so we come to God and, and even in a moment like this, we're recognizing, yeah, I kind of see these things in my own life. I see these quarrels over little things that really don't even matter. And I, and I see this tension and I, I see all this in my life. And I want to assure you, God today gives you grace. Receive the grace of God. Receive his love and his compassion. Receive the grace that says, hey, I see the situation you're in. I still have a plan for you. I haven't given up. I never will give up. I'm taking you on to the plan that I have for you. And he gives us grace. Will you receive the grace of God today? Receive the grace God has for us. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. The humble that just come before him and just says, God, I just need you. I just need you. I, I've, I've served you five years, 50 years, but God, I need you. And we come before him humbly and he just says, oh, I give you grace. I give you grace. But if we come to God in prayer, if we come to church, if we come to the fellowship of believers and we're like, yeah, I've got it all together. I'm good. I'm good. And all that teaching stuff's for other people. They need it. Oh, that's not going to serve us well, is it? It's not going to serve us well. Now let's get to the meat. Verse number seven. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Isn't that the remedy for what we read in the first part of James chapter 4? He said, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. He's saying, come before him weep over the things that you need to weep over. Cry, mourn, weep, wail. And he says, and humble yourself before God, and he will lift you up. In other words, I don't have to fight for these things. God will lift me up. I don't have to prove to somebody that I'm right. God will lift me up. All I need to do is come humbly before God, seek after him, draw near to him, and he is going to fight my battles for me. He's going to take care of all the things that I can't do. I can't take care of that. It's not even my job to take care of it. I try to take care of it, and I stumble every time. 
God has a word this week for parents concerning their children. God has a word he's going to give to you this week about your children. Possibly you're fearful. You're just, just absolutely fearful for your children. God has a word of assurance for you. Maybe you have a child or children that are wayward. They're just off. And God has a word for you this week. God has a word for you in, in struggling financially and struggling in maybe your career, your occupation. God has a word of encouragement for you this week. And I believe God is going to break down some strongholds that are working in your life. All this quarreling and fighting that we read about, those, those things that agitate and we become so just mad at what is happening. Can I, just, can I just hit it head on? Why are they wearing masks? Can I just hit it head on? Why aren't they wearing masks? I don't know which side you're on and I really don't care. You want to wear a mask to Hope Crossings? You want to wear a hazmat suit to Hope Crossings? Wear a hazmat suit. I don't care. And if you want a social distance or if you want a hug, you're an adult, right? We get to adult. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's a quarrel not worth fighting. It's distraction. It's a distraction. Anyone who says... Anyone who says anything other than all lives matter has an agenda that does not line up with God's word. All lives matter. Therefore, you can say white lives matter. Therefore, you can say black lives matter. Purple, pink, yellow, green, I don't know, all the rainbow. I don't, it's just all lives matter. It, the word of God says it this way. There is neither no Jew, nor Greek, male, nor female, slave, nor free. He said, we're not going to emphasize Jewish people, Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians. He said, they're one. God has broken down the barrier between them and they are one. I'm so thankful that we are one. We are one. And God is sovereign. I'm thankful for the variety, the difference, the, the blend, just, just the blending of who we are. I'm so thankful for that because we are not going to be all that we could be unless we are one with one another, regardless of nationality, skin tone, culture, all of those things are secondary that we quarrel about and we fight about and they're all messed up. And God is saying, no, that, no, you're distracted. You're distracted. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Come near to me and I'll come near to you. I'll teach you how to make the big things the big things and the little things the little things. I'll teach you how to rise above all those quarrels and all those issues and to really focus on what really matters. Let me tell you something. If you die with a mask on or a mask off and you don't know Jesus, you're going to the same place. It's not the issue. The issue is do you know Christ? That's the issue. And as we draw near to God, we're, we're praying for our family I'm praying for our community, and we're saying, uh, it, it doesn't matter what you think about whatever issues. The ma what really matters is what do you know about Christ? That's what's really important. And that's what we're going to focus on this entire week, drawing near to God.
Man, looking forward to what God is going to do. I just, I just see strongholds being broken. These, these arguments and all this, it's just being broken. Just, just, these chains that hold us to these arguments are broken. What God is going to do this week and next week, and just following and, and put us on a trajectory. Every, starting with me, every one of us have the temptation to just deviate from the path, just deviate a little bit. But as we, we keep going on that deviation, it takes us further and further away from the path. You've heard me say this before, I'll say it again, just speaking of myself personally, I am capable of any sin. You name the sin, I am capable of committing that sin. I might not have a propensity toward it, but I'm capable and so are you. The remedy for that is Christ. The remedy for that is to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, for you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's what prayer emphasis is all about. Focus on Christ.